0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang on the Holy Land Land Grant, Holy Land's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross, and joining me as always is Josh Dooley back with you again for another ohio state preview josh has your um pet monkey attacked any kids this past halloween
1: not that i am aware of we try to keep uh my pet monkey locked down in the basement under lock and key so all good in columbus but i hear not otherwise not so much in texas
0: yeah texas is back in the news for sure maybe not for what they'd (laughs) want but other than that um we are definitely here to talk about ohio state and not monkeys down in the state of texas um Ohio State will be taking on Nebraska this week there will also be you know we have some other stuff to talk about here on the end of this podcast um when you are listening to this it is Wednesday but on Tuesday night they will be dropping uh the first college football playoff rankings um and so we will talk about that a little bit coming up with you know that they'll be out we don't know them right now we're recording on Tuesday afternoon but by the time this comes out you guys will know so we'll give some of our thoughts and kind of predictions of what that'll look like and what we think about the rankings at this point in the season but the majority of this podcast will be focused on Nebraska. Uh, with this being Tuesday, we obviously have the the weekly Ryan Day and coaches press conference from today. Uh, nothing really serious or of note uh, to talk of no new injuries or no, uh, you know, earth-shattering things coming out of that press conference today. Uh, Ryan Day was asked about the college football playoff, and he said kind of the sentiment that I think most Ohio State fans should, should realize tonight if they get angry about any of the rankings that come out, and it's that— he said, you know, nobody really cares where you're ranked weeks 9 and 10. It just, you know, if you want to be ranked, you got to keep winning. And I think that's important to, to focus on. I don't think, you know, Ohio State, I believe, in the first rankings of the first like time they came out in 2014, I think they were 16th or something. So I don't really think it matters all that much where Ohio State's ranked tonight. I think if they, they win out with the games they have on their schedule and the the teams they still have to play, I don't think it'll be a problem for them to make the playoffs. So I wouldn't be overly concerned with that, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh Otherwise, Ryan Day, you know, not much to talk about. They asked him about, you know, how only Jackson Smith and Jigba graded as a champion against Penn State. And he basically said, you know, in order to be a champion, you have to play over 15 snaps and grade over 80 percent. And JSN was the only guy to, to reach that threshold. And then on the defensive side, they said, you know, he expects Palale Neoteote to have a little bit bigger role in the first half against Nebraska with Steel Chambers obviously having to miss The uh, first half with the targeting penalty he got in the second half of the Penn State game. Uh, And then Brian Hartline spoke a little bit today as well. And you know he just had a lot of great things to say about Ohio State. I would, you know, if you haven't seen his press conference today, I recommend going back and watching it. He, you know, he had a lot of nice things to say and a lot of, you know, interesting stuff to talk about these Ohio State wide receivers and you know kind of his process in finding these guys and what it takes to play wide receiver at Ohio State. And he also just had a lot of love for the university as a whole. You know, there's a lot of times Brian Hartline is going to be a guy that finds himself in in the coaching carousel news a lot because of how well he's done at his position, but. You know he he said as much as you know he loves it at Ohio State. He doesn't see himself leaving. It's not like he's he doesn't you know have any desire to call plays or anything. He's not looking for that. He just he loves the university. He you know his family's here. And, and you know he said kind of he and his wife talked about how hard it would be for him to like go into his room and tell his players he'd be leaving. So it was cool to hear you know Brian Hartline you know almost getting emotional talking about how much he loves it at Ohio State. But yeah, all all good things in the press conference today and nothing much to uh, talk about there. Josh, you have any any thoughts on anything that you know they they said in those two today?
1: No, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, Master Teague is still TBD, his playing status. Uh, He obviously missed last week. So not not that he's a huge need, but to have another solid running back in the rotation is always a good thing. So um, up in the air on whether or not he's going to play this weekend, but along the Brian Hart line front, you know, he is just, he's such an asset for this team and this university. It's not just his recruiting prowess. It's, uh, you know, the love and affection that he has for this program as an alum, obviously. And it's just great to hear, hear him say all the things that he said today. It's not that he hasn't said those things before, um, but it's good to get him out in front of the media too, and give him an opportunity. One of these, during one of these weekly pressers. And, you know, to me, I think that Brian Hartline is, Arguably the second or third most important figure for this team. You know, Ryan Day obviously sits sits atop the mountaintop, but after that, for me, it comes down to Brian Hartline and Mark Pantone. Uh, Mark Pantone obviously has a a kind of a feel and a a a sense over all of the recruiting, but Brian Hartline has just done so well at his position. He's also established contact with some other guys, and he's just all of those guys. Coach Mick too. They're culture builders and they're they're culture developers. Those guys are just they're all such great assets for this team, this university, and this school to have. So I I cannot say enough good things about Brian Hartline and really a bunch of the guys in this program and on this staff. I think that um, you know you can take issue with certain games, game plans, schemes, things like that, but. All in all, I don't think that you could really ask for a better coaching staff from a a personal standpoint. Football is something else entirely, but it's a good group of guys to have, and Brian Hartline is definitely one of those guys.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. You could have your gripes with, you know, some of the on-field stuff, but I think overall the the character of a lot of the coaches on this Ohio State staff is very high and I think that goes a long way in the recruiting process and I think that's why, you know, you see Ohio State doing so well. In this recruiting class, there's a lot of recruiting buzz coming off that Penn State weekend. A lot of big, you know, upper-tier recruits are starting to get crystal balls to Ohio State. There's a lot of momentum for especially a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we obviously know Brian Hartline's success he's had with the wide receivers and of course Ryan Day's success with quarterbacks and some of the players on offense. So, I think the character of the staff goes a long way and we saw some of that on display today with Brian Hartline. But nonetheless, uh this week they'll be focused on Nebraska. Uh, Ryan Day did talk a little bit about how you know Nebraska is probably better than their record would indicate. This is this is a good Nebraska team regardless of their their 3 and 6 stance. You know, just looking at Nebraska as a whole, uh, it's hard to disagree with that sentiment because all all six of Nebraska's losses this year have come by eight points or less. And that includes losing by three to both Michigan and Michigan State and then losing by seven to Oklahoma. So it's been a tough schedule for Nebraska to start the year. Uh, they are coming off three straight losses to Michigan, Minnesota and Purdue. Uh, but really, this problem that they've had this year and and seemingly the entire time under Scott Frost has been this this team's ability to close out games. They are just five and eighteen in one score games under Scott Frost since twenty eighteen. And so while while they keep things competitive, it just seems like they don't know how to finish out and win games. And I do think they're you know they're going to be competitive with Ohio State. I think this is a team that just that 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 you know they they follow their assignments and they play good football. They just sometimes don't have the talent advantage to to edge things out at the end. And I do think you know I don't think Scott Frost is a terrible coach, but there are you know, some things that happen late in games for Nebraska that just they, they just refuse to win. And I don't know what it is. I don't know how to fix it. But it, it is odd to see like the way that this Nebraska team just seems to not be able to come away in those one score games with a victory.
1: Yeah, it's hard to put your finger on. Right. Um, it, it's not so much on the defensive side of the ball, um, although, you know, they've had their struggles here and there. But um, turnovers, mental mistakes, lapses in judgment have really just hurt them. On the field across the board, and you know, Scott Frost came to back to Nebraska as this sort of knight in shining armor. He won the unofficial Natty with UCF a couple years ago, and I think that their fans and uh, you know their program and everyone really thought that he would turn this program around after the Mike Riley years. And you know, it's almost regressed. I think that the talent is there and Scott Frost he can coach right if you go 13 and 0 at UCF and and win a big bowl game like they did that year you obviously know what you're doing he just he hasn't been able to put it together at his alma mater and it's really odd to see because he's had the recruiting classes you know they haven't been top 10 but in his first couple of seasons he actually brought in top 20 top 25 recruiting classes it's been on the field results and i you know i'm not too familiar with the rest of his staff I don't know if they're kind of lacking the upper echelon guys around him or what it is, but um, I I would not be surprised if this is Scott Frost's last year in Nebraska. And it's really unfortunate for for a team to, for a school to bring in a guy who helped them win a co-national title as a player and do so well in his first coaching stop. And he was, he was also, uh, you know, highly respected when he was at Oregon too, as an offensive coordinator It just hasn't worked out, and I think that after a handful of seasons, it it may be time to, to cut ties unless they can rattle off some victories here to close out the season.
0: Yeah, I don't I'm not I don't I'm still kind of 50/50 on whether or not Scott Frost last past this season at Nebraska. I do think we're in for a pretty crazy coaching set, carousel this this offseason. It seems like a lot of schools are on the edge or have done, you know, so in in firing coaches that have been places for a long time, you know, notably Gary Patterson at TCU has just let go and there's been a number of other big names at some of the smaller schools that are looking to move up in the ranks. So I do think we're in for a lot of coaching movement this offseason, but I just don't I think Scott Frost has kind of done enough this year to maybe stick around for one more year. His team's been at least competitive with a lot of these ranked teams they've played. And if they continue to, you know, be competitive against teams like Ohio State and some of the other teams I have on their schedule and maybe win one or two of these games down the stretch, I think it might be enough to keep him around for one more year just to see what happens because, like you said, He's done a pretty good job in acquiring talent, and we'll talk about some of those guys in a minute. But especially on defense, you know, there's a lot of really talented guys on this Nebraska roster, and I just think, you know, if they they kind of need to tweak, tweak some things, you know, stop some of the late turnovers, and you know, we'll get to that in a minute. In a second, you're talking about some of the turnovers with uh, you know a certain guy on the offense, but overall, you know, they they're they're not bad. Like if you watch them play, you wouldn't think they're a three and six team. Um and, and they rank pretty well nationally. You know, their their defense comes in at number forty-four, which isn't elite, but it's pretty good for Nebraska. Their offense ranks number sixteen in the country. Ohio State still number one in the country even after their uh their game against Penn State in total offense. But you know, they're they're pretty solid on both sides of the ball. Their rushing defense and their passing yards allowed are both sitting at number forty nine. So the defense isn't as high as I would expect, but they do, you know, they have a lot of guys on that side of the ball, and they should probably be a little better there. And then their offense, you know, their passing offense ranks number thirty fifth and their rushing offense ranks number twenty seventh. So they're they're certainly not a bad team, and they're not a team you'd expect to be three and six, but like we just kind of touched on, it's just these weird things late in games that seem to lose them games. And, you know, while they do have talent, they are, they are mismatched against a lot of these, you know, upper echelon Big Ten teams like the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Michigan States, they play. And, you know, obviously they played the game against Oklahoma this year. And while Oklahoma is not great, there's still a, a big talent advantage there this year. And, you know, Oklahoma's undefeated, but they, they haven't looked like it at times. But I don't know. it's a, It's a weird Nebraska team for sure, and one that I do think can do some things to cause trouble for Ohio State. And it's It's one. this is a game where I'm kind of glad Ohio State is coming off a game where they didn't steamroll Penn State because if they did, I think this could be kind of a bit of a trap game for them because I do think that, you know, Ohio State can't come in here expecting to win by 50 points because that's just not what this Nebraska team does. They don't get steamrolled like that, and I think they will give Ohio State a game in this one at least for, you know, a couple quarters, if not the whole whole game.
1: Yeah, it's almost impossible for Nebraska to lose by 50. Based on what we've seen recently, it's always one score games, and I, I you know, foreshadowing. I don't. I think it's going to be more than a one score victory for Ohio State, but I do think that Nebraska can maybe make it interesting for times. I mean, we've seen them match up against solid teams for a half of football or three quarters of a football game. It's just about whether or not they can kind of complete it and seal the deal, and they haven't been able to. So. I think that's ultimately what we might see uh, come Saturday is maybe it's closer in the first half or maybe Adrian Martinez brings them back in the second. But staying close with Ohio State is a chore in and of itself, and I just don't know that they're going to be capable of that.
0: Yeah, and so you mentioned Adrian Martinez. We can kind of dive into here a little bit on some of the players on this Nebraska roster, starting with the offense. Uh, Adrian Martinez returns for no shorter than his 47th season as Nebraska's starting quarterback. Um, he is having one of the best years of his career thus far. He's thrown for nearly 2,300 yards with 12 touchdowns to 7 interceptions. He is also the team's rushing leader with 438 yards and 11 more scores on the ground. So this is probably the best mobile quarterback Ohio State has played yet this year, so that is something they're going to have to deal with Um also in the run game, uh, Ramir Johnson has been their top actual running back with 433 yards and four touchdowns, averaging around 4.5 yards per carry. They do kind of have a little bit of a, a running back by committee. That he, I mean, uh, Johnson does get the majority of the carries, but both Jaquez Yant and Marquis Stepp also see a pretty good amount of playing time. Yant is averaging 7.4 yards per carry on 34 attempts, and Step has the only uh, touchdown out of the two. Uh, receivers-wise, the team obviously lost Wandale Robinson this past offseason, but they brought in Samori Torre. Who is what, who was one of the top receivers in all of FCS at Montana and currently has a team-high 566 receiving yards with three touchdowns. He is very good. He's a big dude at 6'3". And that's kind of the, the mantra of this uh, Nebraska receiving attack where all these dudes are just massive targets for Adrian Martinez. You have tight end Austin Allen, who stands at 6'8", 260. He's second on the team with 371 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, their other receiver on the other side of, of Torre is Omar Manning. He stands at 6'4". Um, and, you know, just a, just by comparison, you know, Burke and Banks on Ohio State is secondary. They're both six and, and Cam Brown is six foot. So there is a bit of a size advantage for Nebraska in this game. I'm not sure how much that'll play into effect. I mean, it's only an inch or two here and there. But it does seem like Nebraska went all in on having just huge, big-body receivers that Adrian Martinez can't, mick, can't miss. And, you know, it's had mixed results, but, uh, you know, their offense has been doing pretty well. And I, and I really like Torre as a receiver. I think he's a very good player. I'm glad he, you know moved up from the ranks from Montana to to a school like Nebraska and kind of got more of the national spotlight here. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting offense for Nebraska. It'll be one that Ohio State, it's different than the one Ohio State has played in recent weeks. You know, Martinez is pretty mobile. Uh, but as kind of we alluded to earlier, it just seems like Martinez has a, a propensity to to have a late turnover, whether it be a fumble or a pick at the end of games that that cost his team the game. We saw it against Michigan late in that game, and we've seen it a number of times in in A.J. Martinez's career. And so if he could kind of rein in the turnovers, I think he'd be a lot better a player. He's a guy that Ohio State was looking at as a recruit. He is a a good quarterback at times, but he just seems to have these mental mistakes at bad times that kind of cost his team in big spots.
1: Yeah, I'll be writing about Adrian Martinez this week as uh, my offensive player to watch for the opposition this week. And I think it starts with him. You know, he's very capable as a dual threat. He's a good runner. Um, He's played well against Ohio State before as a true freshman. He threw for like uh, 270 yards, ran for 70 yards, three touchdowns Um, again as a true freshman and kind of put himself on the map, even though that was a rough season for Nebraska but it's the turnovers, right? Um, 27 fumbles coming into the season, 15 lost. I don't know. I don't have written down how many he's lost this year, how many times he's fumbled this year, but ball control possession has been an issue with him and the timeliness of some of his turnovers too. Um, I think about the Michigan state game. They were in that game. I went to overtime and Adrian Martinez threw a bad interception that allowed Michigan state to win via field goal. Um, And then against Purdue just this past weekend, four picks, completed less than 50% of his passes. So he's definitely one of those guys who kind of goes up and down. Uh, He did complete 70% of his passes last year, but that's a little bit above what his career average is. It's like with Nebraska, they have capable players. If they could play a perfect game they can score points. They absolutely can score points because they've got a bunch of guys who can run the ball. You talked about the receivers and their pass catchers. I mean, Austin Allen is legitimately a power forward out there. He is a massive human being. And we've seen teams at least try to utilize um, their tight end in the middle of the field against Ohio State. Peyton Hendershot started out like gangbusters for Indiana before they just kind of really stopped looking his way and it stopped working for them. But Austin Allen can do some of those uh, same things. And you mentioned Torre from Montana. They've got Omar Manning, who was, if not the best, one of the best Juco wide receivers um, before he joined Nebraska. He's another uh, good big target for them. So they've got guys out there. It's it's whether or not Adrian Martinez can get them the ball and not the other team. But I think their defense or their offensive line, I should say, that is something that unit used to be a staple for Nebraska. They would year in, year out, have one of the better offensive lines in the country. And it, it's not the same this year. It hasn't been the same for the last couple of years. They've gotten a lot of big recruits and decent recruits at the skill positions, but the offensive line has struggled. Uh, Adrian Martinez has taken close to 80 sacks in his career at Nebraska, and some of that falls on him, but the offensive line will need to play much, much better if they even have you know, a chance of staying in this game.
0: Yeah, I, I do worry about the Ohio State defense in this game a little bit just because of some of the stuff you mentioned. We saw against Penn State, that they, they really tried to attack Ohio State over the middle of the field. You know, it wasn't with tight ends, but it was with Dotson and Washington. You know, just these little crossing routes, these little slant and sit routes in the middle of the field. Just kind of really picking apart the Ohio State linebackers and coverage. And now you're going up against a team... With like Nebraska, with a, with a mobile quarterback and Adrian Martinez, a good tight end in Austin Allen, I do worry that you know this is going to be a tough game for Ohio State's linebackers, and especially without you know perhaps their fastest linebacker Steel Chambers out there for the first half. I am a little bit concerned about the defense going up against this Nebraska offense. But like you said, the offensive line for this Nebraska team has not been great, and so if we could get a similar effort. From the defensive line, as Ohio State had against Penn State, where you know Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison both had really good games, and of course all the defensive tackles that have been so good all year, that might be able to limit a lot of you know the Adrian Martinez run game. But you know that the tight end stuff over the middle could be an issue. And if if Nebraska is going to score points in this game, I think a lot of a lot of their offense is going to come from that kind of dink and dunk stuff over the middle. I'm not so much as worried, you know, being beat over the top. Ohio State hasn't really allowed much of that at all this season. And even though Torrey is a very good receiver, I don't really see him beating it like Denzel Burke deep like that. But I think there is at least some concern about the Ohio State's ability to cover over the middle, and that could come into play big time in this game.
1: And what do you think they do with Adrian Martinez? You know, um, we've got uh, Taraja Mitchell is somebody who I, I like the way he plays. He's kind of a bull in a China shop. He just he goes after the ball. I don't know. It's hard for me to get a gauge on his instincts because it's just like he's more of a reactor. And I don't want to take anything away from his ability to kind of like read plays in advance and and pre-snap and things like that. But, you know, he's one guy out there. Cody Simon's a great athlete. We're going to be missing steel chambers. Do you think that they maybe utilize a spy on Adrian Martinez? Do you think they stay in more of their base? And if they do run any sort of spy system, who do you think that would be for Ohio State? I, I wouldn't be
0: surprised if we see someone like Ronnie Hickman in that sort of role in this game or a uh, – uh, his name has escaped me – a Marcus Williamson, like someone that, like a cover safety – Um, in that role. I don't know, like I I like Taraja Mitchell as a player. He has had his his problems in coverage this season, especially. I know I having rewatched the Penn State game, there was one game specifically last week where he probably would have had an interception, but he wasn't even like looking into the backfield. He was looking like dead on with his receiver and he just completely wasn't involved in the play at all because of it. So I, I do have concerns about him in coverage, as I do with most of these linebackers, but you know, Cody Simon has been okay. We did see him get beat in the Indiana game in the end zone against Hendershot, like you brought up earlier. Um, so Ohio State does have some problem with these these linebackers and coverage. So maybe they do just say, you know, these guys aren't going to be able to cover anyway. So we're just going to put one on a spy on Martinez and kind of take away the run game because that is such a big part of this Nebraska offense. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see someone like Ronnie Hickman or a Marcus Williamson or one of you know a bullet or a safety in that role. Maybe even a Craig Young, who you know I'd like to see more of it on this defense, especially with someone like Steel Chambers out. Um, you know, I think obviously Steel Chambers would be the guy to be in that role if he's going to be in this game. You know, he will play in the second half of this game, so I'm sure we'll see him do that in the second half if this is still a close game, which I expect it will be at least to start the third quarter. Um,
1: I so almost yeah, I they wonder have, they have if. Options. I almost wonder if, and I might sound crazy here, but I wonder if Tommy Eichenberg could have a role in this game for this reason. You know, we've seen him struggle in pass coverage. We've seen him beat, been beat with, uh, with misdirection, but for the most part, he does play pretty well against the run. So Again, this might come across as crazy, but I wonder if he is out there as a spy as well. Um, If it's just, hey, your responsibility is to keep an eye on Adrian Martinez. He's not quite the athlete of some of the as some of these other guys, but he's a good enough athlete and he's been, you know, a positive force in the run. I wonder if they could utilize him as sort of a Martinez shadow in a way.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a, a good amount of Tommy Eichenberg in this game, especially in the first half. You know, I think he's looked a lot better in recent weeks in in a more limited yeah, I think role, he has too. and and I think you know a lot of that comes down to them them taking some some pressure off these linebackers and not asking them to do as much. I think he's like you said, he's done very well in in run stopping, so I, that could certainly be an option for a spy. Um, I, I doubt, you know, They say, Ryan Day said Neoteote is going to play more. I don't think you're going to run him out there as a starting linebacker and be like, all right, hey, you're our, you're our spy against Adrian Martinez. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy that hasn't played all that much. So I would definitely be leaning more towards Eichenberg in that role than a Neoteote, but, yeah, I mean, they have options. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. They definitely do have to game plan for it. This is, you know, they can't run out there and run the same defense they've run the past couple of weeks because they this is now a mobile quarterback, which they haven't had to worry about for quite some time. But... You know, we'll, we'll see what happens out there. I think Ohio State does have the players to get it done. Like we've talked about, the defensive line has played really well. I think that'll aid in, in slowing down Martinez if he doesn't really... If he doesn't have time to escape the pocket, then he, he can't escape the pocket. So as long as you, you're you getting pressure, that could take some of that away. You know, it'll also take away the, the ability to hit those short passes over the middle if you're getting to him quickly, especially with those defensive tackles creating pressure up the middle. So I think all of that'll come into play. And I think, you know, this is a big week for the secondary to kind of step up and show that they still have what it takes to to play in coverage they they struggled a bit last week against Penn State and while a lot of it was was short plays underneath it's still that stuff adds up over the course of a game and then you wind up with Penn State having 200 yard receivers so i think they're hungry to get back out there and show that they you know they can still cover with the best of them you know whether they whether they actually can or not they want to show that they're bia um, and put a, get together a good performance. I know guys like Denzel Burke and Cam Brown are probably chomping at the bit to get back out there. So I, I'm pretty confident in the secondary and the defensive line, but we'll, you know, the linebackers are going to play a big role in this, and they're without probably one of their best guys. So it will be interesting to see, especially in the first half, what that, that matchup looks like.
1: Yeah, I think the closest comp we have is the Oregon team and the Oregon game. Um, they have, or they had, um, Oregon did, Multiple guys who can run the ball, and they used a lot of misdirection. I don't know if Nebraska will kind of deploy the same scheme and the same mannerisms, but um, you know, Anthony Brown's a mobile quarterback. They did have C.J. Verdell at the time, and so Nebraska likes to run the ball by committee. I think that's the closest comp, but Ohio State has really changed up their defense, and a lot of their guys on that side of the ball have evolved and progressed. So I don't think that we'll see a repeat of that game as far as the running game goes, the running defense, I should say.
0: Yeah, and while, you know, Ohio State's next two opponents in Nebraska and Purdue aren't huge threats to come away with a win, I think they are both good tests of this Ohio State defense before it's, you know, two final big games against Michigan State and Michigan. So I think there is still stuff to be learned here, uh, regardless of the quality of opponent, even though, like we said, no, Nebraska's probably better than their record would indicate. But flipping over to the other side of Nebraska, their defense... This team plays a 3-4 under Eric Chenander, their defensive coordinator. And they can afford to do that because they have really, really good linebackers and they play in the Big Ten where nobody besides Ohio State knows how to pass the football forward. Mm -hmm. So on, on that front... You know they have a, a bunch of guys out there that are really good at the position. Luke Reimer is the team's leading tackle with leading tackler with 86 total tackles. Right behind him is Nick Henrik with 79. Uh, super senior Jojo Doman is probably a guy that a lot of you remember. He's been on this, you know, like like AJ Martinez. It feels like he's been here forever. Uh, he's third on the team with 62 total tackles. He's a guy that's kind of like Nebraska's bullet. Uh, he does a little yeah, bit of everything yep, out there. Yeah. He also has eight tackles for loss, a pair of sacks, a pick, and two forced fumbles. So he is there, you know, middle of the field playmaker. Does a little bit on the defensive line, does a little bit on the secondary. He's all over the place. Uh, Garrett Nelson is another guy. listed at linebacker. He has a team high nine and a half tackles for loss and three sacks. So the middle of this Ohio, this uh, Nebraska defense is really the strong suit here. And I would say almost the entire back seven is probably where they thrive because they've got some good guys in the secondary as well. Uh, senior corner Deontay Williams is their leader in the secondary with a team-high four interceptions. Uh, you'll also likely remember Cam Taylor-Britt, who's seemingly been there for a while. He's a really good player out there. Probably could have tested the NFL waters if he wanted to at the end of last season, but he's still there making plays at a DB. He plays a little bit of corner, a little bit of safety. Um, He's got a team-high eight pass breakups with three tackles for loss, a pick, and a sack on the year. So he's another guy who does a lot for this team. Quentin Nelson's another talented corner. So the back seven of this team is really, really talented, and they've got a lot of good guys out there, and they do a pretty good job. Uh, Where they don't get a lot from is their defensive line. You know, Like I said, they run a 3-4, so they don't really need a ton from their defensive line. It's almost like they're running more of like a three defensive tackle look out there and they're just they're not really looking for much out of them but Ben still is likely a leader in that unit with three and a half tackles for loss and a sack um, but yeah I would be yeah Ohio State's offensive line has had some struggles in the, the the run blocking recently so it'll be interesting to see how they fare against a team with four linebackers on the field rather than a four three with a four-man defensive line but you know yeah, if, if this Nebraska defense is going to test Ohio State's offense it's going to be more with the linebacker play and the play of the back seven as a whole
1: yeah, it's a little bit of a different defensive alignment than Ohio State's used to. Uh, you mentioned JoJo Doman. He is uh, he's uh, very much a hybrid, in my opinion. It's almost like they run a 3-3-5, and he plays this, or like a 3-3-4-1. Uh, Doman's role is very versatile, and he can do a lot of different things, although he is more towards the line of scrimmage uh, more often. But I, I'm with you. I really like the middle of this defense, and we have talked about Scott Frost bringing in talent. Those linebackers are all young guys, too. Reimer's a sophomore, Nelson's a sophomore, Heinrich's a redshirt freshman. Um, So, those guys can get it done, and and it's not something that Ohio State has gone up against this year. So, it could present a challenge. Um, The one thing that I can't think that I do think they can take advantage of is the secondary depending on the health of Deontay Williams. If I'm not mistaken, he has not played, um, or he did not play in Nebraska's last game. He has not played since the 16th, if I'm correct. So I, I, I tried to do some reading on him. I tried to find out whether or not he was going to play this week. I was unable to do so. But if he's out, you know, that's four picks. That's half of what they've accrued as a team. If he's out, then I think that, not that Ohio State needs, more of a reason, more incentive or more opportunity to take advantage of opponents secondaries, but this could be a big passing game. I think for CJ Stroud, because those linebackers as good as they are and as versatile versatile as they are, I think that they can also be beaten coverage. So if you're playing a lot of one-on-one in the secondary, or you're just not matched up correctly, then I think it could be a big week for Olave and Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I think that Nebraska can be scored on, although the defense, in my opinion, is probably the strength of their team. Uh, the black shirts they used to call them, maybe they still do, but they've got some capable guys. And I really do like that linebacker group, especially the, the youth there. If Scott Frost does get another year, I think that this is a defense that could kind of push itself up towards the top of the Big Ten with some of the, the youth and the talent they have over there.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny to say that like it you know with the strength of this back seven that the passing game could be you know the the strong suit for Ohio State in this game. But I I think you're kind of right, and it's just because you know it's silly to say, but it almost feels like these Ohio State receivers are just unguardable. The the ability for Olave and Wilson and JSN to just get open on every single play. You know we saw last week Penn State's secondary is really good. Tariq Castro Fields, Joey Porter, uh, Jaquan Brisker. Those guys are really really good players, and Ohio State's receivers. You know, even as Ohio State struggled to run the ball, their receivers were open pretty much every time they tried to pass it. And you know, that 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 was no small feat against against the guys they're going up against. And while you know Cam Taylor, Britt, and a lot of these guys in the secondary are good players, it's just it's so hard to to cover all three of these Ohio State wide receivers at once. And with C.J. Stroud playing the way he's playing right now, you know it's just really hard to stop this passing attack for this Ohio State offense. I don't know how much they'll come into this game looking to establish the run more I'm sure that's been a big focus on you know in practice this week I'm sure they will look to get Trevion Henderson going early and often so they will be trying to you know really attack the strong suit of this the, these linebackers and this Nebraska defense but like you said you know if Deontay Williams is out that is a big big loss for Nebraska um, they, they do still have players back there but it is so you know if you're not at 100% full strength even if you are at full strength against these Ohio State receivers it's hard to guard them so missing one of your top guys doesn't make life any easier for sure.
1: Yeah, to have three of them is such a luxury. And even if one guy is kind of, I wouldn't say shut out, but minimized or contained, you've got two other guys. And you've also got Jeremy Ruckert as a pass-catching option. And we haven't seen a lot from Travion Henderson in the passing game as much recently, but there's another guy too. So this embarrassment of riches that we've talked about all year, um, I I would say that they probably are matchup proof. I think that Georgia – and Alabama are the two teams that I can think of that, you know, to where their secondaries would have the best chance at sort of minimizing or mitigating the um, the big gains and the chunk plays and the wide open um, passes that we've seen CJ Stroud hit throughout the season. Those two teams jump out to me, but I think you could give me any other team in the country. And I think because Ohio state has so many options that they're going to be able to pass the ball, no matter what.
0: Yeah, Josh, let me ask you something. I wrote about it a bit earlier this week in our, our Your Nuts column. Do you think we see any shakeup along the Ohio State offensive line with, when it comes to run blocking? Because, you know, the four tackles offensive line is great and all, and it's a lot of fun. And those guys, I think all four of them have played really well. And then Luke Whipper in the middle has done a solid job also. But. At the end of the day, their run blocking has not really been great all year. And I think a lot of that comes down to not having guards on the field that know how to do some of the, the run blocking stuff inside. A lot of the, the polling and the, the stuff you gotta do, especially on, you know, Ohio State loves to run the inside zone. And, you know, it's it's you know, tackles aren't used to having to block up the middle for that. So do you think, you know, we see more of Matt Jones in this game? Do you think they kind of stick with the guys they have? I know it's tough because like you don't wanna take paris johnson jr or thayer munford off the field and both of those guys have been playing guard this year as natural tackles but you know they they seemingly have to do something to kind of fix a little bit of their issues in blocking and i don't know if they just kind of trust the guys they have out there or if they look to actually change the personnel to, to fix the problem
1: i don't think we see any changes for this reason yes they have occasionally struggled in run blocking but their pass has been so good this year. Um, CJ Stroud has had a clean pocket. I don't know, 90, 95% of his drop back. So I think you just have to live with, you know, the games and the moments where they struggle a little bit in the running game because they protect CJ Stroud. They give him time to make plays down the field. And we've seen Travion Henderson be able to overcome that. So while he might not be, you know, as potent or as successful behind this current line. I think that the pass pro outweighs the struggles that they've had in the running game.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And I think, you know, some of the problems they've had could also be fixed with a little bit more creativity in the play calling in the run game. You know, you don't have to exclusively run inside zone. You could, you know, Trayvon Henderson is so good in space. You could run him to the outside. You could do some misdirection stuff, kind of get him going. So I think there are other ways to kind of fix Ohio State's struggles, uh, but they will have to do that, you know, coming up. How about a
1: read option, Gene? We told yeah. you know we heard a little bit about that in the presser, and Ryan Day, uh, you know, said that CJ Stroud's making the right reads. Far be it for me to question the offensive genius that is Ryan Day, I, but I will say that I I slightly disagree with what he had to say today as far as making the right reads, unless you know, the plan is to always offer the look and not take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's as much as, like, a like people... Like I think more people are confusing, like, a zone read with an inside zone play, because I think a lot of the time, like, yeah. after Stroud hands it off, he kind of just fakes a run. But I don't think it's him, like, faking, a, like, a read. I think it's just, like, kind of what he does to try to draw the defense a little bit after the play. I don't think a lot of these run plays they call are actually true reads as much as they look like. So, I, I you know, the the quarterback run has not been a part of Ohio State's offense truly since JT Barrett was here. And I know Justin Fields was pretty good with his legs, but even then they didn't really want him to run and they wanted him to, to look to throw down the field first. And I think, you know, for to Stroud's credit, he's done a tremendous job of keeping plays alive and throwing down the field even after plays kind of break down, and he has to escape the pockets. So yeah, Day was asked about today. He doesn't really seem all that intent on getting Stroud to run. So I wouldn't expect to see it more moving forward. Um I wouldn't be entirely surprised if we see a true zone read in the red zone here in the next few weeks where Stroud does take one one of these times and kind of catches a defense off guard. Uh, but I wouldn't expect to see, you know, five to 10 carries a game for CJ Stroud. I just don't think that's realistic. I think that, you know, they trust Travion Henderson and they trust Stroud's arm and they don't want to risk him in the run game, getting him hurt. And they just don't, they just, their offense is so good that they don't need it. They have playmakers besides CJ Stroud to take the ball and run with it. So I'm not expecting to see it anymore, but I am hoping that they do something to fix the run game because that would, I think, go a long way in fixing the red zone issues they had last week because I don't, you know, going one for six in the red zone is certainly not sustainable, especially when you're going to play, you know, Michigan State and Michigan at the end of the season that you you can't be doing those things against good teams.
1: I, I can almost guarantee you that Ryan Day will not kick four field goals in the red zone again. I just don't think we see it. I call it hubris, arrogance, whatever. I don't think that he will let Ohio state kick four more field goals in the red zone because, you know, um, he's a prideful guy. He clearly knows what he's doing and what he's calling on offense. It's just one of those games that you chalk up to, you know, making too many mental mistakes and not executing the way that you should. But I think that this is a game if they are in the red zone uh, frequently I could see him mixing it up because of the struggles that they had last week.
0: Yeah, and and I think we'll see probably a similar game plan from Nebraska's defense that we saw at Penn State's, especially with, you know, the the spectacular play they have from their linebackers. I, I'm assuming that Nebraska will also try to sell out to stop this Ohio State run. So we may, you know, see another week where Ohio State doesn't look like they're running the ball all that effectively. I would hope it's a little bit better than last week at the minimum, but you know, Trayvon Henderson's still a really good running back. There's only so much you could do when there's no hole to be found. But at the end of the Gene, day, let I, me I think, ask you.
1: Yeah. I want, to, I want to ask you a question now. So if you were an opposing defensive coordinator, which aspect of Ohio State's offense would you try to attack and limit? Like if you had to choose one, would you sell out against the run or try and drop eight on almost every play? I think your only option is to try to
0: stop the run because there are just like we talked about before. There's just too many options in the passing game. There's there's no possible way that you could you know you can't double cover Olave Wilson JSN and Ruckert on the same play. You just don't have enough players to do it. So I just think you know especially with how successful Penn State was doing it, I just don't think it's realistic to try to limit the Ohio State passing game. So if you kind of you know you get Ohio State behind the sticks, stopping the run, I think that's the best strategy to try to stop this offense. And you know we saw. Penn State doing, they still let up over 30 points, but it was clearly, you know, not what Ohio State has been accustomed to on the offensive side. So I think that will be the strategy for a lot of teams moving forward. And I think it's really the only option because unless you are Georgia, I just don't think you have the defensive players to to truly match up with Ohio State's wide receivers on any given play. And you know, it's much harder, it's much harder to pass than it is to run. That the opportunity for turnovers is much more frequent when you're putting the ball in the air. But yeah, I think the only way to try to attack this Ohio State offense is to limit that run game, get the behind the sticks, force Ohio State into some you know second and long, third and long plays, and and that's really your only chance. And even then, it might not be enough. But I think that you know, if you ha- want to have any any hope of stopping this offense, I think that's the only way you could do it.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would just go with some sort of amoeba defense, and you know, pardon my French, I would blitz my ass off. I would try and cause chaos as, as much and as often as I could. And, and I don't know what better way to do it than just frequently blitz from different spots and different angles and say, you know, just say a prayer and hope you get home.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's really all you could do. I mean, you know, like we've said, mo- almost every single team in the country is is at a talent disadvantage when they go up against Ohio State, so you know, it would take a nearly perfect game plan to to stop this offense entirely, and I don't I don't think, you know, anybody is capable of doing that, but, you know, there are things you could do to slow them down as we saw last week, and I'm sure Nebraska will look to attack some of those same weaknesses on this Ohio State team. So, with that being said, Josh, um, Ohio State comes into this game. They opened it around 15, 15 and a half point favorites. Uh, what are you thinking in terms which I thought was interesting because that's less than Penn State, but it is on the road and we are seeing, you know, some Ohio State did show some weaknesses last week. I guess all that goes into play there. Vegas generally has a good idea of what they're doing when they come out with these lines. So what are you thinking score wise? What kind of game are we looking at here this Saturday?
1: Uh, I think they cover. I have I was kind of thinking about this while you were getting ready to ask the question. I think it's a three score game at least, or I, you know, I hope so. How does 45 to 24 sound?
0: I like it. It's, it's just, it's so tough to, to guess this game because like we said, you know, the Nebraska just doesn't get blown out. They lose every game they lose by one score. And while Ohio state's the best offense they played by far this season, and that's, you know, including the, the Michigans and the Oklahomas of the world, um, it's just that this team seems to find a way to keep it close until the very end. And I don't. I do think Ohio State will win by more than one score in this game, but I just don't. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be you know, not ugly, but it won't be the prettiest performance from Ohio State's defense. I think they will continue to have some of those issues over the middle, especially in the first half without Steel Chambers out there. Uh, maybe the defensive line makes up for some of those, those issues with a good pass rush again. I'm hoping to see you know, the Tyreek Smith that showed up against Clemson and then last week against Penn State. If we had that player every week, this, this Ohio State defense gets tremendously better because he was just mm-hmm. on fire. And mm-hmm. so I'm hoping they get a similar effort from the defensive line. And if so, that'll quell a lot of my fears in this game. But I'm thinking, you know, I I think they will, Ohio State will reach that 40, 42 marks. I'll say 41, just the middle of there. And then I'll give Nebraska 28, so a 41-28 game Ohio State doesn't quite cover. Uh, But they're, they're never really in danger of losing the game. Uh, Nebraska probably keeps it close, maybe scores at the end to make it look closer than it appears. But I think, you know, the Nebraska offense might, might do enough to to stick around for longer than we'd like. Um, I don't think it'll be as much of a nail biter as Penn state was at times, but I think it'll be a better game than, you know, the records of these teams would indicate.
1: Yeah. And th- and that's all you need, right? You want style points ultimately, but as long as you're not in a lot of close games late, I think you're going to be fine if you're Ohio state. So you know anything more than 10 14 points i'm going to be happy with
0: yep and and speaking of style points here we could kind of bring that to our college football playoff discussion here like i said what by the time this comes out the rankings will have been released um but they will this will be the first one of the see the first college football playoff rankings of the season so now the ap poll becomes entirely useless um I think it's going to be pretty interesting. There is like a lot of different storylines going on this year. It's a lot more interesting than the usual. Oh, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and uh, you know Georgia are in the playoff. That's that's what's going to be um, it's a little different this year. There are some teams in the hunt that aren't usually there, namely like a Cincinnati, uh, maybe even an Oregon, a Michigan State teams that are still in the playoff discussion. But Josh, I wanted to get your your opinion here. I know you know we'll already be either wrong or right by the time this comes out. But I have put together what I think my what the top seven will be when they are released later tonight. What do you think, you know, the committee is going to do at the the top of the list here?
1: Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of a non-answer because I just don't know, but I do feel fairly confident. I think that my, you know, or, or I'm sorry, Georgia is obviously going to be number one. I think that spots two through four are some iteration of Michigan State, Alabama, and then I think one of, Cincinnati or Oklahoma Um, whichever team Oklahoma or Cincinnati is not in the top four I would see them at number five and I think Ohio State comes in at number six for now which is fine because they're going to have the strength of schedule they're going to you know hopefully play a, a ranked opponent in the Big Ten championship game provided they get there the one thing that I I I would be slightly annoyed, though, if we see Oregon above Ohio State for this reason. I know they have the head-to-head, but I think you have to take into consideration that was week two. Uh, That was an entirely different Ohio State team, in my opinion. And also, you know, Oregon's got the worst loss. They lost to an unranked Stanford. Stanford is not a good football team, so yes, Oregon beat number four, I think at the time, Ohio state in week two, but they lost to unranked Stanford. Um, and they had one other close ish game. That's kind of escaping me right now, but I think Ohio state's at six. I hope that Oregon is behind them and, uh, everything else is sort of TBD and unknown. How close is my prediction to yours? Well, Josh, I'm going to tell
0: you something, and I'm either going to look really dumb or really smart because, like I said, everyone already knows the answer to this, but I, I am almost certain that Oregon will be ranked ahead of Ohio State tonight. My okay. My top seven I have, Georgia is the clear number one. I think that is the only guarantee in this entire thing is that Georgia will be number one, and if they're not, then the committee simply has not watched a snap of college football this year. Um, my, The rest of my top seven rounds out, I have Michigan State at two, Cincinnati at three, Oklahoma at four, Alabama at five, Oregon six, Ohio State seven. Okay. Uh, my reasoning for some of this uh, is that the committee was going to try to make their lives easier moving forward. And I think that by having, you know, if you look at the, the resumes between Oregon and Ohio State right now, Oregon's strength of schedule is 32nd in the country. Like you said, they have the probably the worst loss of any team, losing to three and five Stanford. Uh, they do have the win over Ohio State. But their remaining schedule this season is Washington, Washington State, Utah, Oregon State, and then whatever the heck comes out of the other side of the Pac-12, which is really, really bad. So their strength of schedule is not going to get any better. Comparing that with Ohio State, who already has the number 13 strength of schedule in the country and loss is to a 7-1 and Oregon team, they already have the ranked win over Penn State. And then their remaining schedule is Nebraska-Purdue, a likely top five Michigan State, a likely top ten Michigan, and then, you know, either a Wisconsin or a Minnesota who could potentially be ranked in the back half of the poll uh, come the Big Ten title game if they win out. So I just think, you know, while they ha- they could put Oregon ahead of Ohio State tonight, I think it'll be very easy for Ohio State to jump them with the schedule they have the rest of the way. I also think it's possible that Oregon loses a game down the stretch because they've had some close calls against these, these uh, you know, unranked opponents, but I just think at the end of the day, you know, the head-to-head they've had in the past that the committee has said, you know, the head-to-head doesn't matter as much when the two teams aren't comparable anymore. And I think if Ohio State looks the way we expect Ohio State to look and they have all these ranked wins, I don't think that you could say that Oregon and Ohio State are are, are on comparable trajectories and that the head-to-head would really matter all that much. So I do think it'll be very easy for Ohio State to jump Oregon. And by putting, you know, Michigan State at two or three or four in this poll that just makes it even easier to just swap Ohio State into their spot should they win that game. You know, I think Oklahoma is liable to lose a game. I think Cincinnati. You know, if if there's two teams that are kind of in the hunt and Cincinnati is the G5 and the there's a P5 team up against them, I, I you know I I like what Cincinnati is doing and I'm rooting for them to make it. But you know, if it comes down to Cincinnati versus undefeated Oklahoma or Cincinnati versus a one loss Big Ten champ Ohio State, I, I don't think there's a single chance that. Cincinnati gets in over either of those teams just because they haven't played an entirely power five schedule and their win over Notre Dame is good and they will have a chance to beat SMU and likely Houston in the AAC championship to add a couple of ranked wins but I don't see them jumping a power five opponent if it's one of those other two teams they're going up against um, I do think Georgia will handle Alabama easily in the SEC title game so I don't think that's going to pose much of a threat so at whoa, the end, whoa of- <laughs> whoa
1: hold on hold on a second you think that Georgia will handle Alabama easily? Did I
0: hear you correctly? Yeah, I think Georgia wins by like at least two touchdowns. I don't think it's even going to be close.
1: Okay, and, and I can't say that you're wrong uh, by any means. I just you can, in my opinion, you can never count out Nick Saban. Um, but that's interesting because you're not the first and only person that I've heard say that. You know, Georgia is. Um,
0: Georgia's winning the national title. Like I'm sorry to anyone who like wants any other team to win it, but I just I know Kirby Smart's an idiot and like he's not a good football coach, but they have an NFL defense on the field and I just there's no way to I I don't I don't see another team overtaking them. I I like I know we do this every year where there's always one team that looks unstoppable and they usually don't wind up winning it, but Georgia's defense has allowed like four touchdowns all year or something crazy like that. So I just I don't see how a team takes them over. And I know, you know, Bryce Young is really good at Alabama and they have a couple good players, but I just don't I don't think it's going to be enough to upset Georgia. I think you know the way that that team looks right now is is simply too good to be beaten.
1: So, do you include Ohio State in that? You don't think Ohio State can beat Georgia?
0: Ah, uh, the current iteration of Ohio State. No, if this team comes out and beats you know Michigan State and Michigan by like twenty points each, and they just look you know like they're rolling going into the playoff, then they they might have a shot. It'll be a lot of fun to see the Ohio State offense going up against the the Georgia defense, but if Ohio State's still having some of these running issues against that Georgia defensive line, they are in for a really, really tough day. And I don't know if, you know, Georgia's offense isn't particularly scary, but they're they're efficient and they're good at what they do. And so I think, you know, they, they could very well dink and dunk Ohio State down the field to their heart's content. So I think it'd be a tough matchup with the way the teams are playing right now. I think it'd be really tough for Ohio State to, to come away victorious in that one.
1: Okay, so we differ a little bit. In uh, I, I think that Ohio State can score on anybody. Georgia included. Now, are they going to put up 40 or 50? No, probably not. But I think that Ohio State can outscore Georgia. I think Alabama would actually be a tougher opponent for Ohio State just because they're a more balanced team. I think Bryce Young is a great quarterback. Brian Robinson's a really good running back. They obviously have the receivers. And their defense is not maybe the Alabama defenses of old, um, but they've still got a strong unit on that side of the ball. Good secondary. Um, uh, gosh, I can't think, I want to say Tim Anderson, but I can't think of their linebacker. Um, it is the,
0: the shortstop of the Chicago White Sox. I,
1: I, I know I knew I was, I can't think of his first name for whatever reason right now, but, um, I think Alabama is a more complete team, but, um, yeah, I don't know. We differ on this one. I think that's, that's why it's, it's good to have these arguments. It's good that there's parody. And it's great that all of this is unknown. I, I disagree in the fact that I don't think there is a an absolute favorite this year. Even though I have Georgia number one, I think teams can outscore them.
0: Yeah, I mean, all it takes is like a really bad performance from Georgia's offense for them to fall, I suppose. But I don't know, I, I have too much trust in that defense. And I know that college football has really gone away from the whole defense wins championship games, especially the last few years. But I don't know, they just look really good to me right now. I think, you know, regardless of what happens tonight and, you know, now this being this morning, whatever has happened, I don't think Ohio State fans should really freak out about the rankings. I don't think it's worth stressing about because like, like I laid out, you know, the, the way that A lot of these schedules lean out the rest of the way. They're not leaving a one loss Big Ten champion Ohio State out of the playoff. It's just not realistic. They're not going to, they wouldn't put Cincinnati over them. They probably wouldn't put, you know, if Bama loses, they're out. They wouldn't put Oregon over them, regardless of the head to head, unless Oregon starts winning games by 70. And even then, I don't think they'd be able to do enough to to overcome the, the strength of schedule there. So I just, you know, Ryan Day said himself, you know, you don't, nobody cares who's ranked at, you know, week nine, week 10, it all becomes, you know, whatever, whoever's ranked at the end of the season in the top four. So I just would implore Ohio State fans to not freak out on the internet about Ohio State being ranked sixth or seventh tonight, because in the long run, I don't really think it's going to matter that much.
1: Will Anderson, Will Anderson is an Alabama quarterback, and I think he may have missed their last game. I'm not sure, but um, he's a linebacker. I was thinking of not his his distant cousin, Tim, the shortstop for the White Sox. But I think that's a strong unit. But no, just to kind of go back, it it's all unknown right now. And I think that it's going to be a very interesting end of the season. I agree with you that if Ohio State wins out and they win the Big Ten championship game, they will find a spot somewhere in the top four, even if they have to take the hard route, uh, the, the path that from four to champion. Maybe they have to do that. Um but I'm with you. I think if they take care of business, they'll be in there. And I think the really, really interesting team teams are going to be Cincinnati and Oklahoma. Cincinnati has not looked great the last couple of weeks. And obviously they do not play the same schedule as some of these other teams and Oklahoma. Everyone's on the Caleb Williams hype train now, and he's been great. He's been a revelation for them, but they've still struggled in, in a number of games, you know, they barely beat Tulane. They barely beat Kansas. Those are two really, really bad football teams. So, um, if those teams win out, I don't know if you can leave them out of the playoff, but I would depending on how they look the rest of the season. And it's not a given, Uh, Oklahoma State looks good this year. They're going to play Oklahoma. They have to play in a Big 12 championship game. In Cincinnati, everyone thought that their schedule was going to be so easy. But I think you said they play SMU and Houston. Those teams can score. And we know Cincinnati's defense is a really good defense, but Houston and SMU can put up some points. So if they run up against them later in the season, who knows what happens.
0: Yeah, I don't, it feels like Ohio State never has an easy path to playoff. It seems like every year on that final week, Ohio State fans are waiting with bated breath on that final ranking to see if they're in or not. And I don't know how it always happens, but it, it's probably going to happen again. Um, Josh, before we get out of here, I'm going to throw a wrench into this whole system. Undefeated Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Thoughts. They are currently 10th in the AP poll. They're 8-0. They're leading the ACC. Their remaining schedule, they're going to play UNC, NC State, Clemson, and Boston College. If Wake Forest wins out, that wins the ACC, they're going to have a very legitimate argument to make the playoff.
1: I don't know about very. I think that they would have a legitimate uh, gripe if they are left out of the conversation, but they just, they started too far back in the pack and for as good as they've looked and for like as bad as Clemson's looked, um... With the exception of Boston College, who, I mean, we love Jeff Halfley, but that team does not look great this year. They play some real teams. UNC has not been good, but they've got Sam Howell, NC State's frisky, um, Clemson is Clemson. So by the end of the season, I don't think that we will have to worry about them being in the conversation. It's interesting, though, to bring them up, though, because they have surprised a lot of people. Uh, I think we talked about it before. Like, imagine if Kenneth Walker III was still on that team. Then you might have an argument. Sam Hartman, Kenneth Walker III, undefeated Wake Forest. Maybe then we're talking. But uh, I think that they are going to take care of themselves by the end of the season.
0: Yeah, it could very well be, and we know the ACC is not by any means a good football conference. But you know, I, I think it's a very legitimate possibility that Wake Forest comes in at number eight tonight. If not, you know, they're going to be within between eight and ten, so they're they're going to be right there. And I, I think it will be interesting to see, you know, if some weird situation plays out where you know you have an undefeated Wake Forest versus an undefeated Cincinnati fighting for that final spot. I, I think Wake Forest might get the nod there if you know just because they played a fully power five schedule and i know it's you know it would stink for cincinnati but you know that just might be how it is sam
1: hartman is used to this you know i watched uh the netflix show qb1 he was on that he transferred to a high school that hadn't won a game the uh the prior season uh and he came in and he turned the program around so i know he's been at wake forest for a minute now but he's playing good football so i i really hadn't thought of them um but yeah it's definitely a wrench and We've seen chaos before, so if a couple of these teams lose, then maybe Wake Forest has a very, very good argument.
0: Yeah, if nothing else, the rest of the season will at least be fun and interesting. It's good to not have four clear contenders for the playoff and then a whole bunch of nothing else to care about. So it'll be fun to watch. Um, You know, nothing really important comes out of tonight besides, you know, this is just another way for College football to get their their ratings up to to rank some of these teams, whatever. Um, I'm glad the AP poll doesn't matter anymore because a lot of the AP poll voters uh, clearly don't watch football. Um, but other than that, uh, I think that's really gonna be it for us. Um, I, I, I'm kind of hoping Ohio State comes in at like seven or eight just to really get light a fire under them and, and show them that they, you know, they start murdering people by like 50 because they realize they have to make the playoffs. So that would be a little fun, you know, like a little little light a fire under them a bit if they're they're ranked a little lower than they want to be. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if they're not, you know. I don't think Ohio State's gonna be in the top four. I would almost guarantee they're not gonna be in the top four, but. Um. Yeah. It'll it'll be interesting to watch. I don't think you know. Like we've said, there's no real bearing on the end of the season to come from this, but it will show kind of a, a precursor. If Ohio State is already ranked above Oregon, I think that'll be interesting to show what the committee values and you know where they view Ohio State versus Oregon. Having you know that game being eight weeks removed at this point, so you know that'll it's uh it's all it's all a lot. And you know the there is going to be a lot of discourse on the internet tonight that I'm not looking forward to. Uh, but. You know, but now you're waking up and listening to this on Wednesday morning. It's all over, and we've already moved on to the next week. So uh, all fun stuff there. Josh, do you have anything else, uh, any parting gifts for us before we, we get out of here?
1: No. You know, just uh, you said it. I'm saying it now. Ohio State fans, don't get up in arms. Don't get worried about whatever you see tonight or whatever you hear tonight as far as the rankings go. Um, it's just a tent pole, and it's one of many for the remainder of the season. Ohio State needs to take care of business. I believe that they will. And uh, I think all good things are on the table for the Buckeyes.
0: Yeah. Let's also hope that Michigan State does not uh, lose to Purdue on the road this week. That would be no bueno. Um, It would be funny, but it would not be good. Yeah, so that's going to be it for us this week. We will be back with you this weekend to talk after the Nebraska game. Uh, Be sure to follow all of our stuff over at LandGrantHolyland.com. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and all of that good stuff. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross. We will see you this weekend. And as always, go Bucks.